You guys are uh, you're too kind. I'm I'm blushing on the inside right now. So thanks for uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, absence does indeed make the hearts grow fonder, and uh, I can speak for Jackie and I both in saying that we uh, we missed you deeply in this time. Our time was amazing. It was rich. It was sacred. It was more than I could ever describe to you uh, in a short amount of time like this. But we felt your prayers and your love, and God's grace was upon us for to really be with Him in this experience and then about maybe four or five days ago it lifted and we were like we are ready to get home uh, and so even just walking in here today i was like oh my gosh this is the most beautiful church in the entire world and i am happy to be home so uh yeah just love 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 you uh, for those of you that are new and you're like who the heck is this guy um before i left i was the lead pastor and i think that's still the case so um, uh, Johnny can correct me later if not, but uh, I'm going to go with it, and I'm really excited to be here. Uh, but I am not ministering tonight, and I'm really, really excited about that because we uh, have a really, really privileged experience to have uh, Richard Gordon with us. Uh, he is a... Uh he, he's been with us before a few years ago, and then he's been with us at a, the staff and elder retreat this weekend, and he just, he rocked my world personally. Uh, in, in all of us as a staff, and I am just so full of faith of what's going to take place in this room tonight. Uh, Richard's been entrusted with the heart of Jesus and the grace of Jesus in a way that I believe very few have, and you will fall more in love with Jesus by watching Jesus work through this man. Um, and I just want to speak as a, as a shepherd that you can trust this man, and you can open your heart to this man, and what he's going to release into this room tonight is the purity and the love and the affection of Jesus and the gaze of his heart right into you. And so uh, let's just honor uh, the messenger that God has brought to this house tonight. Jesus, I love you, and oh how I love you, you are the one I heart wind in my lungs 
It's your thoughts that define me And you're inside me You are my reality I feel the Lord in this place. Ooh, you're going to have some fun. Hey. Wow. I am hungry. I am hungry. I am hungry for more of you. I'm thirsty. I am thirsty, oh Jesus, I am thirsty for more of you, no performance, I am hungry, I am hungry, I am hungry for more of you, I am thirsty, oh Jesus, I am thirsty for more of you. I am hungry, I am hungry, I am hungry, I am hungry for more of you. I am thirsty, oh Jesus, I am thirsty for more of you. You're the real thing. I am hungry. I am hungry. I am hungry for more of you. I am thirsty. Oh, Jesus. I am thirsty for more of you. I am I am hungry, I am hungry, every voice, I am thirsty, oh Jesus, I am thirsty, oh my body longs, my soul thirst, I am hungry, I am hungry. I am hungry for more of you, more of you. I am thirsty, oh Jesus. I am thirsty for more of you. All lay down. I am hungry and I am hungry. I am hungry for more of you. I am thirsty, oh Jesus, I am thirsty for more of you. Woo! I like this place. <laughs> oh man, this is a good place. I feel the hunger in the room. Woo! Man! Just turn to someone next to you and say, wow, you're in a good place. Send someone next to you and say, I'm so glad you came today. Send oh. someone next to you and say, can you feel that faith in the room? Oh, it feels good. It's tasty. It's yummy. Man. Oh, wow. Open your hands. Oh, we ride in here. Are you cool with that? My name's Richard. Um, but, woo! Send someone next to you and go, woo! There you go. I want to give you permission. Um, the Bible's about Jesus, preaching's about Jesus, worship's about Jesus, and church, it's about Jesus. Let me tell you, I have no other direction, vision, aim than to see you encounter Jesus. 
radically. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're going to get encountered so radically by Jesus tonight. Pentecostal, but I'm feeling really Pentecostal today. I'm like, oh, what's happening to me? Man, I feel faith in the room. You know, it says in the scriptures, it says, it's impossible to please the Lord except through faith. Therefore, we can actually please God through faith. We're going to worship together. Watch this. We're going to please God. I want you to daydream right now. Imagine what could happen tonight. Just daydream with the Lord. Imagine what could happen to the person next to me tonight. Oh. Just start dreaming like, oh, my daughter, imagine she got so touched by God. Imagine my wife got so wrecked by the Holy Spirit. Oh. You know those thoughts? They please the Lord. I used to get so nervous because wherever I went, there was this expectation that everyone's life would get changed. And I was like, oh. And then I started realizing expectation and rumor in the natural realm is faith and authority in the spirit realm. And I started being like, oh, I feel faith in the air today. I feel real faith in the room. Tell it to someone next to you and go, I don't know what's about to happen. (laughs) Oh, man. Can you think about that? Imagine Jesus would come and the crowds just be like they'd be gathering. Even when he would go like for lunch, they had to sneak him around. And the crowds would be gathering and they'd be whispering amongst each other. They'd be like, I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder what he's going to do. But God, bring back the fear of the Lord. I'm a little nervous to go to church today. What would he do? I bring the fear of the Lord. I've been to too many boring services. Oh God, bring the fear of God back to the church. Oh, I don't know what Jesus is about to do, but I know when he met Paul, I mean Saul, his name and his whole life got changed. I know when he met Simon, I mean Peter, he turned a fisherman into an apostle. I don't know what's happening in this church, but my hairs are on end, and I'm like, something's about to happen. Oh, Jesus. Just tap someone next to you and say, I hope he gets you. Oh, maybe you haven't been to this church in a couple years and you find yourself here. Let me tell you, no coincidence. I hope he gets you. Oh. I'm reminded of this story. It's uh, in the book of Narnia. You can close your eyes. If you hear anything I say, that's wonderful. But if you get taken up, raptured up into an encounter with the Christ, that's the dream. Oh. I could ask this room, I bet you everyone, or half the room is, I've had a moment where I saw him face it and everything changed. You don't need a man to speak to you, you need the Son of Man. You don't need a teaching, you need to meet the teacher. And Lucy in the book of Narnia that C.S. Lewis wrote, there's this, she's walking and she sees the stream And she looks down at the stream and she's so thirsty. But down by the stream is this lion, Aslan. It's in the writings of Narnia, it's a picture of the Christ. And Lucy, she looks down and she's so thirsty. I feel a thirsty, hungry people here tonight. But there's this nervousness inside of her. She's like, oh, if, if I go down to the stream, I'm thirsty to drink, but I think, I think he might eat me. (laughs) I'm scared. And so she says to Aslan, she says, 
I'm really thirsty, but I'm worried that if I come down, you're going to eat me. <laughs> and Aslan turns to her, and I believe locks eyes with her, because the eyes are the gateway to the soul, and he speaks not just to her, but to her soul. And he says this, kings and kingdoms I have consumed. And I cannot promise you that I will not consume you too. But if you're thirsty, why don't you come and drink? Oh, church, there's an invitation to a wild Jesus. There's an invitation to a wild lion. There's an invitation to Jesus. And let me tell you, I think he wants all of you. He wants everything. And I sense the fear of the Lord saying, God, oh God if I give you everything, I'm going to lose something. And I sense the fear of God in the house today going, I want to consume you. Not one foot in, all my feet in God. Not ankle deep, not knee deep. God, baptize me again. And I see this. I see this picture of the lion. And I see him just saying, I'm not going to make myself tame to appease your current lifestyle. I'm not going to tame myself to appease your current situation. I want you to come and meet me, a God that is wild and a God that will change everything, a God that will turn men into warriors, that will turn broken people into leaders. I want you to come and meet me. faith in this place for people to meet that God oh maybe you've met him before and you're like oh Rich now I'm all in what if there was more to Jesus what if there was I got to this place in my walk with God where honestly I thought I'd discovered all and God said to me what if there was more to Jesus There's an invitation right now. If, uh, if you say to me, you know what, Rich, I'm willing to go down to the stream. I'm willing to go down to the stream. Consumed and all. I don't need you to raise your hands. But whatever you want to do, just need you to respond with your heart. You feel a faith just rose in the room. That's beautiful. Oh, Jesus, it's a pleasing offering. standing right here with the brown hair. Why don't you just have a quick look at me? Just open your hand. God is all over you in the most remarkable way. The hand of the Lord is on you. I just see the presence of God resting on you. And the Lord says that he is so pleased with you. I just see God singling you out amongst this room and just saying, I'm so pleased with you. I see the love of God swirling around you. 
And God says, you're an incredible mother, actually a mother to the nations. And I see a gift on your life just to mother a community. And God says, oh, I trust you, daughter. I trust you, daughter. And I see the presence of God refreshing you right now. And in Jesus' name, I pray for just a wave, a waterfall of love to pour out over this incredible woman. Lord God, I pray that your love would just lavish over her in Jesus' name. Touch her now, God. Touch her, God. Touch her, God. Touch her, God. Jackie, why don't you mind just go quickly put your hand on her back right now. There's a real call of God in your life. There's been an attack on your family, on the mother's side of your family. And the Lord says that he's really going to touch you in family, the area of family, especially on the mother's side of your family. God says there's a sister that's about to get touched by the Lord in this next three-month period. Thank you, God. There's a lady right over there with blonde hair. Yeah, you're sitting next to Craig. Why don't you stand up very quickly? Yeah. Why don't you just open your hands? uh, There's just... um, uh, there's this beautiful hunger for the presence of God on you. And you came in this room and you're wondering if God is going to speak to you today. And I want to let you know God sees you and he's speaking to that situation right now. And I see a turnaround decision and transition that you're making. And God says there's a turnaround that's going to happen right now. And so God, we just speak in Jesus' name where there's been attack even on her mind, where there's even been like a, a, a swirl over her mind at a clean today that stops. I uh, see God just bringing peace to you. And the Lord says that you are a, a, an incredible encourager. And I see this encouraging gift and a window for the rest of your family. And Dina, why don't you just put your hand right on it quickly. God, I just thank you for this incredible window of God. Would you just wash over like a waterfall in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, like a waterfall, like a waterfall. He's redeeming uh, the loss in relationship that the, that uh, there was. And the Lord says that what happened seven years ago, there's going to be a restoration. There's going to be a restoration this year. And the Lord says that was, was taken seven years ago. There's a jubilee season that you're walking into. And it's in a relationship, family, and finances. God, God says it's jubilee time. It's jubilee time for you. Restoration from seven years ago. Restoration from seven years ago. The hand of the Lord is over you and he said even what he spoke of your life when you were 23 the Lord says I'm gonna redeem I'm gonna redeem I'm gonna redeem oh yes God yes and amen isn't she lovely oh man oh oh there's just a few of you I think uh, I think um, there's a few of you that just need to come to the front and just kneel at the altar. You've been like, there's this like pull that you've like, I need to come. And it's just, there's a few of you, I just, there's this pull that I just need to come. And it's not about what's being said. It's like, I just need to be with Jesus. And yeah, thank you, God. I knew. And it is, it's like, there's this woman thing. Like, they're, they're, and, uh, and so God, I just pray that you'd meet them, God. 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 More, God. More, God. More, God. More, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Just touch this one right here. God, I pray that you would just touch her. Even at the age 17, God, I just see the Lord touching your timeline. And I just see the Lord's hand coming in and shaking like a tree. And shaking trauma out of your timeline. And the Lord just saying, oh, my hand of love is towards you. And God, I pray that you would consume a people in Jesus' name. John 20. This wild story. Mary Magdalene. Early in the morning, she takes her prayer cloth and spices and she makes her way down to the tomb. Her savior, her leader, has just been killed, executed. Not just crucified, executed. And she makes her way closer and closer to the tomb coolness of the air but the smell of death as she gets closer that sting and she draws nearer and nearer to the tomb where all others have left him she decides still I will go and pray this woman as she gets to the tomb the most remarkable thing she sees the stone has been rolled away. And in 
inside of her, a flurry of emotions happens. My, my Savior, my, my King, the one I trusted in, he, he left us, he's gone, I'm still devoted, I'm still going down. Where is his body wrapped in linen? The stone has been rolled away. And there stands two men that almost look like lightning bolts, dressed in white, these figures. Say to her, Woman, the one you are looking for, he has risen. Wow. But, but this is this is impossible. Through all of history, there's never been a raising. gospel is so intentional. How crazy is this? And who gets to tell the story? Who tells the story of the stone being rolled away? Who in the gospel story do they write in? This is who's going to tell the story. Mary Magdalene. This makes no sense. A woman who had seven demons. A woman who was a prostitute. A woman who was a woman in a man's world. And God says, you know what? You're perfect to be the first one to tell the story. That's the worst idea ever, God. No one's going to believe her. The world is going to say, that was a prostitute. We can't trust her. The community is going to go, men are leaders. We need to trust it from a man, not a woman. And the spiritual community is going to go, wasn't she filled with seven demons? This is the worst idea ever, God. And she runs off and she tells the disciples. And they start running. Someone has taken them. They start running. It's the scripture is so funny. It says the disciples run, but Peter was slow. And so all the disciples get there before, but their leader is just, he's probably a bit chubby and he gets there. And they go look in the tomb and they leave and they don't believe it. Who does God choose to reveal the greatest the greatest mystery of all of history, his big reveal, his greatest moment, he's gonna choose Mary Magdalene. And when all these disciples start leaving, the chubby Peter and the, the rest of them, she goes into the garden to pray, to cry. And the scriptures say she starts to weep. Tears drop down her. She's like, I, he said he was risen. Where has he gone? Who took him? Who took him? Who took him? Who took him away? And a gardener comes. The scriptures say. And this gardener comes next to her. He says, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Savior. They've taken him away. Gardener says, Mary, it's me. Mary, it's me. Jesus. Oh, my King. Hidden in the face of familiarity. Mary, it's me. Jesus. So familiar she didn't recognize him. The Christ will often be hidden in the places that you're most familiar with almost offended with. Let this rock your world. The revealing of the risen Christ. He chooses Mary Magdalene. This is the worst marketing plan ever. A woman with seven demons previously previous prostitutes, a woman in a man's world, and God says, 
you are my marketing plan. You will be the one that will tell the story of the risen Christ. And it will go around the entire world. And everyone was like, God, that is idiotic. That makes no sense. It's like saying, Riverhouse, our ambassador is gonna be that homeless guy just across the street there. He's our ambassador. Like, but no sense. If you lead a company, this would be your worst, the worst plan ever. But isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the story of the gospel? Isn't that the story of the entire gospel? That he would choose the least and the broken to reveal the power of God. <sighs> Any people in the house that don't have their stuff together? Anyone here? Anyone here, you're like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't got my life totally together just yet. Anyone here? Yeah. You know? You are perfect for God to use. You are perfect for God to use. Even this church, it makes no sense. Coming out from a Nazarene background, and then there's like this revival element to it where you're mixing conservative thoughts and charismatic thoughts and somehow it's working. It makes no sense with a 31-year-old leader and a bunch of millennials and then a bunch of... It just makes no sense. Riverhouse, you have just got a terrible marketing plan. And you've got a guy leading worship that's going, Whoa! It just shouldn't work, you know? But isn't this the gospel? That he choose a broken people so that man couldn't point and say, look how powerful those people are. Or look how powerful that church is. Or look how powerful you are. But they would be able to go, look at my God. Look how powerful my God is. Look how great my God is. Oh, that he could use a man like a Jordan, or he could use a man like an AJ, or a woman like Robin, or maybe like you. But so much so, we hide all of our weakness, thinking, oh, he'll never be able to use me if I show that. He'll never be able to use me if I show that. Oh, no, no, not, I, I just have to show my strength. God's going to set so many people free. Oh, man. I've been hiding, hiding your weak spots, dressing up like from Genesis 1. You know, Adam was dressing up from, from the garden. People have been dressing up for church. From the garden, people have been dressing up to church. Adam, just as soon as he's just dressing up, and God goes, where are you, Adam? And still today, a bunch of people come dressed up. I don't want to show you any of my stuff. I don't want to show you any of my stuff. And God, still today, where are you, Richard? I want to use the broken to reveal a great God. Why are you hiding your brokenness? That's the gateway to my power. I didn't come to die for the healthy. I came to die for the sick. But God, does that mean that you didn't, like if I'm healthy, does that mean you didn't come for me? No, I came for you. I didn't come for your healthy. I came for your... Why are you hiding it from me? That's the place where you will get touched the most. Oh, no, no. If they see that, they'll run for the hills. If they see my father issues, they'll run for the hills. If they see that I struggle with comparison, they'll run for the hills. If they see that I think I'm disqualified, let me just mask up and dress up and repeat Adam's journey. And throughout the scriptures, 
He chooses a Mary Magdalene. He chooses an uneducated fisherman to be the cornerstone, the apostle of the church, Peter. How's this? He chooses Paul, the most learned, a killer of Christians to be the one that writes most of the New Testament. And he's the most learned in the Jewish faith. And God says, you know what? I've got a plan for you. You're going to go to the Gentiles who know nothing about what you've studied. That is the worst idea ever, God. What were you thinking? So that people will not say, what a powerful man. They will say, what a powerful God. And Peter, you know nothing. You're an uneducated man. I've got a great assignment for you. Straight to the Pharisees for you. Straight to the most learned, educated people in society. But God, it's the worst plan ever. Send me to my people. The gospel is so intentional. It is so intentional. He wants all of you. He wants your scared bits. He wants your broken bits. And that's the place where you'll get touched the most. Oh, surrender to Him. Surrender to Him. Honestly. I'm a pastor at Bethel. I've been there five years um, full-time. I've got a wife. Her name's Libby Gordon, the most powerful woman that you've ever met. Uh, We have two kids, a two-year-old and a six-week-old. And um, I... uh, originally from South Africa and now living in Reading and I, I helped lead a bunch of things in uh, at Bethel I was actually supposed to preach at Bethel tonight I was like uh, it was so exciting uh, like you know to be asked to to do that and I knew that I was coming here and I knew God has an assignment for this church I'm not here because I like preaching I feel like I'm on assignment I'm on assignment to deposit something into this place and I feel like there's going to be a residue of glory and lives changed today. Matthew 27. Jesus nailed to the cross. The soldiers were going out of the city with Jesus. They saw a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry his cross. They came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There the soldiers gave Jesus some mixed wine with gall, but when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. The soldiers nailed Jesus to a cross. Then they threw dice to divide his clothes between him. The soldiers stayed there to guard him. They put a sign above his head with a charge against him uh, written on it. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two criminals were nailed to the cross beside Jesus, one on the right and one on the left. People walked by and shouted insults at Jesus. They shook their heads uh, and said, you you said you could destroy the temple and build it up in three days. So save yourself and come down from the cross if you really are the son of God. The leading priests, the teachers of the law and the older Jewish leaders were all there. They made fun of Jesus Uh, the same as the other people did. They said, he saved others, but he can't save himself. People say he is the king of Israel. If he is the king, he should come down from that cross. Then we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God save him. If God really wants him, he himself said, I am son of God. And in the same way, the criminals on the cross beside Jesus also insulted him. And at noon, the whole country became dark. The darkness continued for three hours. About three o'clock, Jesus cried out loud, Eloi, Eloi, lama sh-. I didn't get that. Which means, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? Some of the people start, uh, standing there heard this and said, oh, he's calling out for Elijah. Quickly, one man ran and got a sponge, and he filled the sponge with sour wine and tied the sponge to a stick. He then used the stick to give the sponge to Jesus to have a drink from it. But the others said, don't bother him. We will see if Elijah comes. Again, Jesus cried out aloud, loudly and died. When Jesus died, the curtain in the temple tore in two. (laughs) 
also the earth shook and the rocks broke. The graves opened up and many people, many of God's people who had died raised from the dead and they came out of their graves. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, they went into the holy city and many people saw them. The Bible was wild. It's like a return of the zombie. Like, wow, that is crazy right there. That is some wild stuff right there. The army officers and the soldiers guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and everything that happened. And they were very afraid and said, he really was the son of God. Many women were standing away from the cross watching. These were the women who had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for him. Mary Magdalene, mother of James, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, the Mary, uh, mother of um, James and, and John were there. And there's this moment of Jesus on the cross. And in his weakest position, the greatest act of power happens throughout the scriptures. And we think weakness disqualifies us, but the scripture says in 2 Corinthians that in your weakness, his power is made perfect. And in the Passion Translation, it says that uh, your weakness is a portal for his power. And I believe that if you are limiting your weakness, if you've said, I'll hide this, you have limited the power of God to touch your life. And Jesus models it on the cross and he's right there and he says, and he's in this, this place of weakness where he's been battered and bruised beyond recognition that he's in this weak, naked spot. And the Lord says, this picture, this picture of weakness is how I'll display my power. The gospel is so intentional. Every story points to this. I died for that brokenness and that wound and that sickness. I died for your weakness. Why do you only bring me gold and silver? I want your filthy rags. Why do you only bring me your gold and silver? I died so that you could bring me the things that you are most embarrassed about. I died so you could put on the altar your weakness and watch how I'll turn a woman scorned, mocked, and not accepted by society, and I'll turn her to be the best, the best storyteller ever. Watch how I'll take an uneducated man, I will make him a leader. Watch how I'll take an aggressive killer, and I'll make him an apostle. Watch how I'll take a David, who amongst all his brothers, he was in the field, and they said, who will be king? And they lined up all the brothers, father didn't even think he qualified watch how i'll take one a disqualified man i'll make him a king the gospel is so intentional bring me your filthy rags bring me all the brokenness from your father bring me all the brokenness from that leader that crushed you Bring me all your insecurity that you think you don't have what it takes. Bring me that place of loneliness where you said, I don't think it'll ever work out for me. Bring me that place where you've trusted for seven years and nothing's happened. That's where I want to touch you. That's where I want to touch you. Oh no, God, you can't touch me there. But what if he could? Oh no, God, you don't work like that. But what if he does? It was a couple months ago, I went to a, a church in Seattle and I was praying for people to be healed. I got down to this line and there was a lady there and I get to her and she's got these metal leg braces on and she's got these hand braces on, she's in crutches. And... Uh, there's a lady next to her who I prayed for four years before. She got radically healed of this very unique disease, EDS, uh, Enlock-Dundrum syndrome, and connective tissue disorder where basically all your joints are like elasticity. You basically, she'd sit in the car and her, her shoulder would dislocate. And I see this woman and, and, uh, and she's like, Rich, you prayed for me, I got healed. You should pray for her. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I hope it works out. <laughs> I lay hands on her and pray and the power of God touches her. She starts to tremble and shake under the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm like, okay, something's happening. I'm like, oh. And she goes down to the ground, and I stay with her for a minute or two, and just and God is just moving over her in power. Just the power of God. Just moving all over her. And, um, uh, and then I run off, and I go uh, a little bit, um, I go a little bit like to the next person. God's touching people, just like bodies, just boom, 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 boom. And, um, and then I hear the scream from this lady, and so I run back, and I'm like, what's happening? And she's throwing her hands in the air. And I'm like, why is this important? She says, you don't understand. For three years, I haven't been able to lift my arms more than this. I'm like, wow. God, you're still wild. You're a lion. And uh, and then I carry, actually, I jumped on a chair and I started screaming like, all my life you have been faith. And then it's 11 o'clock at night to the church and, and, uh, and, and just gather everyone like, oh, she's getting healed. This is crazy. Find out it's been a 20-year journey. 20 years she's been in these braces. And so I go off and start praying for more people and, and I come back and she's screaming. I'm like, what's happening? She's lifting her leg. Boom. I'm like, what does this mean? She said, well, a year ago I had a surgery and uh, they nicked a nerve and I've lost feeling in my right leg. This is the first time in one year that I can do this. And I'm like, no way, God is doing something. Ah, I'm just going crazy, like, what, Jesus? So I go off and I, I carry on and, and uh, I come back and, uh, and I hear her, um, her shouting and, and I turn around and her leg braces are off, her arm braces are off, her crutches are, are on the ground and this woman is running around the church like this, running around the church. Like, I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, this is, I'm like, and I go to her and I say, well, what does this mean? And she's, well, you don't understand. I've, I've got this disease for 20 years. I've been in braces, 20 years I've been in crutches, 20 years I've been in hand braces, and I haven't been able to do this since I was uh, 13 years old. And, I'm, and she's running around, running around. I'm like, no way, 11 o'clock and I'm just like crying. Like, I, I feel like I got saved again. And I start, I, I get her number and I call her through the week and she's like, I ran six miles today, Rich. I haven't done that since I was 15 years old. And, and she was like, uh, um, or 13 years old. And she's like, and she's 36 now. And, uh, and so I'm like, no way. And then she goes to her doctor and the doctor's like, I don't know what's happened, but everything's changed. She was on 24 prescription medications. She, was, she went off all, I don't think this is right, but she went off all of them. She's only on one now. So this is about, um, so some months later, like I'm just tracking with her and just, she's just better and better for 20 years. So I go back to the place to minister and we have um, a packed house for three nights of revival meetings and it's just stacked up. And, uh, and she gets up to share her story. She brings her family and, uh, and they start bringing, um, and she starts to share her story and said, I want to show you what I had to live with. And she, they start bringing up all the leg braces and arm braces and it covers the stage from here all the way to here about this heart, just of braces, and she's just sobbing and crying, and people are just crying like, Jesus still does this stuff? He still does this stuff? But, and, uh, but do you know what's crazy? I look at my life, and I grew up so anxious. I grew up full of anxiety, the stammer and a stutter whenever I communicate. I never thought I would ever be doing anything like this, ever. I remember I had about a couple friends growing up, and uh, I, I remember when I was 14, I was like, I remember my friend talking to me and be like, man, you're like, it would be so awesome to have a girlfriend. And I'd be like, man, it'd just be awesome to have a friend that was a girl. And uh, I just was just the most socially awkward and just like nervous, anxious human being. Uh, first time I walked into the church, I had this big orange mohawk, and I, I walk in, and God touches me, and, and look at me now. I'm like, and suddenly what started happening is this, like when Jesus touched this insecure, like broken human, like something started changing in me. And only I would say, um, like only now, I'm at 36 years old, I'm realizing I've been hiding my weaknesses for so long. And since I've embraced and actually been come to terms with my humanity, since I've finally come to terms with my humanity, I've been able to touch more of His divinity. And it's only since I've come to terms that God loves to use weak and broken 
people. That means he actually likes to use you. Brandy loves to use you. Loves to use you, Asher, and your story, crazy. And Megan and your story, crazy. Just loves to use you. So if we have any like people that got a bit of stuff in the room, give me a little wave. If you got some stuff in your life, oh, there you go, that's about all of you. How, what about this? What if you didn't have to get over all your stuff before God could use you? What if you didn't have to be perfect for God to use you? That's the old covenant. He used perfect structures to host the glory. But in these days, he uses people like you and broken people just like me. And a little confession, I don't know what I'm doing either. That's the gospel, though. That is the gospel story. That's why it's the hope to the world. That's why it's the greatest book ever sold throughout history. That's why Jesus is the most famous person in all of history. His name has divided our timeline, AD and BC. That's why the story, which is wild, has caused a ripple throughout the entire world. It is the craziest story ever. That somebody, that God put himself in flesh, came to the earth. You know, they killed him. He bore sin on the cross. He died. Three days later, he got raised so that you wouldn't have to. And that you know, the wages of sin is dead. Like, it's quite a complicated story, actually. And then you could accept him into your heart. And if you believe, then, then you'll be right. And you die, then you go to heaven. And it's like, wow, this is quite, like, wow. But somehow, even if you fumble the gospel story, sharing it, people are like, that makes sense. I want it. For 2,000 years. Surely, God, you should have made it a little more simple. The gospel is so beautiful. It's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. Oh, God is going to touch a bunch of people that think they're disqualified. He's going to touch a bunch of people here that think, I'm, I'm an accountant. I'm not here for ministry. I lead a business. I'm not here for ministry. I'm a mom. No, God, you can't use me. Look through the scripture. He didn't choose kings. He chose Mary's and Peter's and Paul's. Oh, people are going to get so touched by Jesus. Isn't that the dream? Yeah. Turn to someone next to you and say, oh, he chose you.